Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to ESSR Central. An ESSR Central that won't be as stacked, I don't think, as the last two weeks. I mean, we're still dealing with fallout from the three major events that we were talking about in the last few weeks. But, you know, it's, it feels like some things have kind of eased down, thankfully. But it's definitely, there's still some uneasiness about the fallout from AEW and the backstage brawls and stuff going on in WWE. And we're going to break it all down for you in just a moment. First off, I want to remind everybody to follow ESSR and get involved in a conversation with us on social media at Suplex Retreat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, join the Suplex Retreat community page. Usually we put a question on there, and uh, if you comment, your answer will get read out on an episode via Star Central. We'll have a question, and I'm going to read those answers uh, later on in the show. Also, make sure you keep up with the episodes of Star Central. Check out past episodes of Central if you haven't checked them out already. Our feature show is Every single Tuesday, our episodes of Sad Draft Live on a Saturday. Where else? Episodes of East Meets West and all sorts of other shows on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast and feed on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, wherever you choose to get your podcasts. Now, after two weeks of uh, the decent company of David Hockney, I've, I've drafted in another member of our rotating central cast as Ross still... No, he's about halfway uh, home from Turkey by now as we're recording this. But I've drafted a man who I've been on a show before with, but I don't think we've ever done a show, just me and him. And it's a man who was also at Clash of the Castle, the one and only John Sherwood. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How about you? Yeah, you would not believe what's just happened while you were doing that intro. This is unbelievable. I've literally just picked up a parcel for somebody else on my road because this guy would not stop knocking at the door. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I'm doing something. I'm busy here. I was like, literally at the door with my headphones on. And he's like, come on. Anyway, yeah. How are you? Everything all right? <laughs> yeah, everything's all right. Uh, as I was saying, we, we kind of read out some comments I got off you last week. But uh, you yourself were at Clash at the Castle. How did you find going down to Cardiff? And uh, how were your seats for the show? Yeah, we were on the lower tier. Uh, so the the view, it was a bit, a bit of a strange one. Like we were sort of nicely in line with the ring. Not The entrance was to the right of us. So we, we couldn't see anybody sort of walking 
out immediately or anything like that. And it was a bit weird to kind of like keep your eye off the screen, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But the view was, uh, you know, the view was decent. It was a really good night. It was great to see everybody as well uh, from the SSR team when I was there too. So I caught with those guys in the middle of Cardiff while everyone had been, you know, lubricating themselves quite nicely uh, as we had as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. It was a really good event. Uh, I think they they did genuinely knock it out of the park. If I'm going to be honest. They did very very well with that. And uh, yeah, it was a it, it was a good event all in all. And I'm very much looking forward to WrestleMania. To be honest, I've got my tickets for that. Oh, lucky lucky you. Uh, talk about people lubricating themselves and uh, like out of context, that might sound a bit odd. Like, but where were you guys to get up to when you were down to Wales at your own time? <laughs> We uh, we stayed in uh, we stayed in Newport. We were a little bit further out. I know everyone else kind of um, in the middle of town, but yeah, we went to a, a proper local pub, and right. uh, and we got that moment of like, you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> uh, you know the Welsh. You can always spot a an outsider. It was a moment of like, you know, they didn't recognise my accent immediately, and they're like, "What? Can you just repeat your order again, please?" <laughs> Oh, but, uh, as I say, classic castle, one hell of a show. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? I'll get your quick estimation on uh, one result because we were talking about a lot of people have their opinions. Me and Dave were sharing our opinions of it last week. Uh, the decision not to put on the semi hometown boy, uh, Drew, you know, the hometown boy by way of a different country, semi close to Wales. Uh, <laughs> You know, had broken dreams and everything. You had Tyson Fury becoming the biggest hero in all of Wales by knocking <laughs> Austin Theory. But Drew still didn't win the title thanks to an interfering Solo Sokoa. And we'll definitely talk about Solo Sokoa uh, later on. But uh, you be, just being there in the venue with uh, like nearly 70,000 other people, what were your thoughts on at the moment of Drew not winning? Uh, that near fall, we genuinely thought he was going to get it. And that we, me and uh, me and my mate Alex, who I was sat with, we said that was the best near fall we'd seen since uh, Taker and Triple H at WrestleMania. And it was a moment where we just thought, "Oh, it's it's happening, it's happening." It, it didn't. I am I'm fine with the result. I think everybody would have loved a, a sort of hometown inverted commas um, <laughs> win, uh, but it makes sense, and everything that's happened since makes sense so i'm i'm absolutely okay with it uh it's a shame obviously you know drew couldn't have had that celebration mm-hmm. but you know like i said it makes sense so I, i'm i'm cool with it i mean he had a celebration uh alongside tyson fury of ever of a sing song you know yeah when when tyson's involved you you can't escape any form of celebration no no i mean i know you may be disappointed but were you joining in on a bit of american pie Oh, we got stuck right into it because we were, um, you know, we, we said like, oh, we're not going to drink when we get in the stadium. We drank when we got in the stadium and um, we, we'd had a few by that point and we were well and truly singing along. It was uh, it was a, a laugh. And obviously, because they did don't look back in anger as well. And uh, being a man, had to jump in with that. <laughs> uh, so, close to the castle, uh, we've got some stats, some things have come out about the show. I think WWE's been posted about them as well. Uh for once, we don't have Brian Alvarez going on. Uh, actually, I think you'll find the attendance was this much because there were only actually a couple of hundred off seemingly from between what actually was and what WWE said. So I think we'll be avoided that. Uh, but 
they've been posting some stats. They were hashtag Castle was the number one trend on social media. Uh, it's the highest rated international uh, premium live event in WWE history. The merch is the best. They had the best merch sales of a non WrestleMania event in history. The press conference was the highest concurrent views on YouTube of any non of any non pre show. The crowd was their largest European gate ever, and their view they were the it was the number one viewed international premium live event that WWE's ever done. So uh, I think all in all, if it wasn't clear already, seemingly in WWE's eyes, a rousing success was Clash at the Castle. Yeah, I think they're going to class that one as a win, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, WWE, they're lifelong fans of money. Um, but it's great uh, though for, I mean it's, it, they achieved exactly what they said they were going to do I was talking with some of the press guys there as well I met up with a lot of my mates from the um, the media side mm-hmm. and they were telling me that the press setup and this was coming from somebody within WWE the press setup was actually bigger than Wrestlemania they say it was internationally the biggest event that they've coordinated so you know you could tell how special this is not just because of, of the sheer scale of it but what they put into it behind the scenes. They put a lot of effort into making this a big special event. Totally, totally. Uh, the, they did the press conference, as we said. Uh, you had Roman Reigns kind of making Alex McCarthy feel uncomfortable by telling <laughs> him to acknowledge him. And, then and my Bobby, mate Alistair getting mugged off by Seth Rollins as well. <laughs> you had Tom Campbell of Cultaholic having fucked his vocal cord after saying a long age of day. Get up with a very raspy voice to ask Triple H a question. Uh, it was a good time had by all, but uh, do you think we could see that more often under Triple H? These kind of press conferences, like maybe not every pay per view, but maybe like the the big four or big five pay per views going forward. Yeah, I think it works a treat. You know, I mean, they, they, obviously we're going to end up talking about the media scrum at some point later on again. Um, but I think the way that this was controlled and the way that it was done was really, really really good they 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 made it work and i know a lot of people are like, oh the questions are all sanitized it's just that you know they might use that term client journalist or whatever you know some people would say that they're the client journalists but they're not you know because i know all those guys and they're, they're not and yeah i think these they do work and it's an extra little bit for the people who can't be there because you could just jump straight on youtube and watch it they stream it live yeah it's good yeah, stuff yeah, I like the idea, didn't it? Because you remember during the peak era of TakeOver, uh, they'd have a little like uh, Facebook Live YouTube yeah. with Triple H, and Triple H would even do I think he still does it, but like for me, before major NXT events, he does big media calls and everything. So I think Triple H is very much into that and interacting with the, the press. The same way EW have been doing stuff with uh, the mainstream like, wrestling media. So I think it's just a good idea, all in. Totally, 100%. And uh, what I'm also hopeful for, given the success of Clash at the Castle, is that this will lead to you know this becoming a more annual thing of them coming over to the UK for pay-per-views because, you know, uh, WWE, as much as I've been loving them recently, they were fairly selfish to put tickets on sale a week before I got paid, meaning I couldn't Oh, go. they always do it. They always do that, though, don't they? You know, every time a ticket comes out, it's like... Oh. Oh, it's going to be like before I get paid, and I'm skint this month. <laughs> but no, I've got to get it. I know, and then I've seen people talking about the uh, the prices and everything, and I mm. could have asked other people, like my mother and father, to you know, lend me the money for it, and then if they've heard how much money I probably would have needed, 
they tell me exactly where to fucking go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's the tickets are expensive. I mean, I've just actually been talking with my friend Alex about uh, a different Alex, by the way, um, about um, boxing. So there's a, a fight coming up in Manchester in a few weeks, and uh, we went to uh, we went to the arena to watch a fight uh, a couple of years ago. And the tickets, like where we sat, they have gone up by about eighty quid. And wow. yeah, we we paid a fair bit when we went. Yeah, and I, I I just don't think that people now can afford it because there is a lot of availability there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think yeah, with these kind of events maybe going forward, and depending on the state of the world inside the next twelve months, you know, with the the economy and I'm oh, getting a bit serious now, but the economy and the sort of you know, cost of living crisis, the, you know, food and fuel bills, inflation and whatnot. They might just have to rethink a bit of ticketing policy here and just say, like, yeah, we might have to... Ch-. But it sets a precedent then, doesn't it? Since you reduce the prices, you can't put them back up again. Yeah. You talk about the real world, is it? Am I the only one who doesn't think it's a coincidence that the first major pay-per-view had come to the UK in over 30 years and then the UK brand officially shuts down, happens... <laughs> a week or so before the, the passing of the Queen, I think. Everybody knows the Queen used to love a bit of world of sport. I think she was secretly a wrestling fan and deep down she's was like, I have nothing more to see in the wrestling world. That was done now. We're done. We're finished. Down there with the handbag at the front with Big Daddy smacking him around the head. <laughs> oh, but you know about uh, these like major shows. You've got your uh, your tickets for for WrestleMania. I think it's going to be interesting in WrestleMania for you to be in t- attendance for because you know the first WWE WrestleMania without Vince McMahon at the helm. It's going to be a very interesting WrestleMania. To see what kind of card and what show they they put on. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit wild this one, and obviously still two days. It's going. I, I don't know whether they, I know we're doing this like going forward for at least a few years, but I don't know whether they're going to keep this. But, yeah, obviously now we're going to get into to something later on when it comes to NXT and stuff. I wonder if we're going to see the return of that TakeOver weekend as well. This is two days. We're going to see that on the Friday. There's so much kind of, of scope with it. And, yeah, the people who could come back into it, the storylines going in. Obviously, Cody's still to come back. Um, and, you know, no one can really forget about him. Is he going to come back at the Rumble? Is that going to be the setup for something? What's going to happen with the titles? That That's a fluid situation right now. It's a really... It's a really good period to be a fan again, I think, yeah, because there's so much good wrestling out there right now. And, yeah, for all their woes at the moment backstage, AEW have put on some good matches recently, some good stuff there. Got my problems with what they do sometimes, but, you know, they've got some good stuff. And, and again, looking at, at, as we're recording on Wednesday, Dynamite tonight, Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson, give me that. Thank you very much. And then WWE under Triple H is creative. This is going to be his first WrestleMania. I mean, the pressure on his shoulders. Oh, my word. It's going to be a really interesting 2023, without a doubt. Definitely. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of the two-night WrestleManias because it reduces the card lengths. Uh, people are more likely to get in the car with a two-day show. And it's never felt like they were like forcing people on for the most part. Yeah. Uh, more often the main events, people get chances to main event that they might not have otherwise. I mean, Bianca and, and Sasha maybe wouldn't have got a chance to main event when they did uh, if it wasn't for two nights. Kevin Owens wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have got a WrestleMania main event, uh, let alone one against a Hall of Famer like Steve Austin had it not been two nights because you remember it looked like he was going to get a main event with Jericho, but then famously they got pushed away down the card, so Owens finally got that WrestleMania main event he was due. So 
that on that side, I agree with it. But if it does mean we get one night, and it also means on the Saturday we get the return of you know takeovers like we used to get, then I'd be all for it because I felt really bad for them at Stand and Deliver this year. Yeah. Playing it the morning of like there was already not much buzz for this year. It's like many takeover because. You know, not as many people were st- still, quite a few people were against the whole 2.0 thing. You had Dolph Ziggler in the main event. And you put it in a much larger venue than what NXT had been running in since pre-pandemic, which didn't have the atmosphere you'd hoped for. So they had everything working against them there. So hopefully, like I said, with the with the revamp of NXT, which we're going to talk about later on, you know, I'd be okay with them going, again, going away with the, uh, the two nights of WrestleMania if it meant we got that back because... You know, that's a perfect three days, you know, Friday, SmackDown. Maybe you could put the Hall of Fame on the Friday as well or Thursday. Yeah. You got TakeOver the Saturday, Mania the Sunday, and then the Raw after WrestleMania, which we hope, hopefully we'll get back to how it used to be because it's been kind of mad the last few years. Yeah, you're right. It has. It, it, it's it's like that special moment, hasn't it? There's not been something mm-hmm. there which has really kind of popped everyone. But yeah, hopefully we're going to get that sort of feeling back which is good and it's good to kind of talk about you know about these positive feelings going forward there's you know obviously there's a lot of like bad feeling that's come out over the past couple of weeks but it's good to see the positivity in the entire industry mm-hmm. you would talk about positivity in terms of WWE somebody who's not always the most positive towards WWE or at least accused of being a Dave Meltzer but Dave Meltzer was very positive about one magic clash at the castle and that's Gunther versus Sheamus as that match is the first main roster match, I believe, to get rated five stars since uh, since the match between Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank. Since then, it's mainly been NXT matches getting five stars. But Sheamus has finally got his first five-star match, and this is actually Walter or Gunther's first, uh, fourth five-star match. He got five and a half or five and a quarter stars in his match, 40 minutes long against uh, Tyler Bate, takeover Cardiff which we talked about recently on uh, Wrestling Mixtape, our recent feature show. Both of his matches with Dragunov Raid, one rated five stars, the other one rated five and a quarter stars. And now his first his first big pay-per-view match on the main roster, and he's got a five-star match under his belt, as well as Imperium by his side. I mean, Gunther has just become one of Meltzer's new favourite WWE guys, it seems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, rightly so. He's having a cracking run at the moment. Things are good for him. And that match, I mean, seeing it live as well. I mean, I I, I thought going in this was going to be good, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Uh, it was an absolute banger. It did deserve those five stars, in my opinion. And, and it's great to see Gunther finally kind of reaching those heights that he should have hit in, in WWE and, you know, putting Imperium back together, 100% the right decision there. Uh, I mean, even like last week on SmackDown with the Brawling Brutes and, and Imperium having that six-man was just awesome. That was really, really good stuff. And, you know, they ended it in the right way to give us more of it in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, Seamus has been going on Twitter, you know, talking about how he, he's been producing banger after banger after banger. And rightfully so, he gets his first ever five-star match. And it's about that time he got one. But I was telling Dave last week about, you know, talking about Imperium. One of the moments just sitting at home and watching this show that popped me the most, you know, just personally, was uh, when it's a close-up on camera of Ludwig Kaiser's face. And yet I assume he's about to talk about an energy as Gunther. He goes, please stand up and show respect for And then he says the name Giovanni Vinci. And it, <laughs> it got me sound like, he's back! <laughs> yeah. 
I, I'm cool with them kind of keeping the, 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 you know, the NXT name as well. I'm not bothered about that. You know, obviously they've changed the guy's original names and that, that is fine. It still fits and he's not doing the gimmick. You know, I thought the gimmick in NXT was actually pretty good um, and he, he worked it quite well. But I, I, you know, back with Imperium, that is that is great. They were such a great faction. It's great to see loads of um, loads of good factions kind of popping up now in in WWE. There's some good stuff knocking around. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I don't, I don't. It never made any sense to me why he wasn't called up with them. I know, yeah. Bonkers. I know Gunther and Kaiser have more of a history outside of WWE, so maybe that played a part in it. But I think he's just they feel so natural. The three of them together now they've begun such a unit as Imperium, and I look forward to seeing what they do going forward in the tag team division. But uh, you go back to something I met to say when we brought up WrestleMania. Uh, there's all sorts of rumours about what they're going to do for the WWE Universal Championship. You know, there's talk, you know, WWE for the longest time has been wanting The Rock. Uh, there's rumours about Cody coming back. But according to WrestleVotes, they're saying that WWE is very interested in having two world champions when WrestleMania comes around. But they're also very you know, keen on not having Roman lose all between now and then. So it's a case of how do we separate those belts, but keep Roman looking as strong as he has been doing. And I remember personally when, when Theory came down, initially I thought he was going to cash in, but Drew was going to pin Theory, and that was how they were going to get out of it and protect Roman and keep him strong for like a match with The Rock, which I still don't think needs the title. Oh yeah, any match with The Rock and Roman Reigns does not need a title involved in it whatsoever. Uh, because if it does have a title involved you've already given the result away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rock ain't sticking around. <laughs> so, no, no disrespect there, but he ain't sticking about. It ain't going to happen. He's got a billion and one movies to make. So that's just not going to happen. So there's no point. Plus, it's just big enough anyway. It doesn't need a title. There's so many you know, top-tier matches that never needed a title. Yeah, it's, it's just the way it is. I think the plan still is to separate them. I think it's more pressure from the TV channels the, the, with the deals. Uh, even though Triple H would like that, you know, he would like that kind of separation, you know, one title on each. Uh, the brands would be wonderful, but I think like USA Network are putting a bit of pressure on. Obviously, Fox have got everything right now with Roman and both titles. He's trying to elevate the US title, which is fine. Uh, and that's good. And it's the same with the Intercontinental title, I guess, as well. Try to make that a little bit bigger. But that's kind of even got mixed in now with the Imperium and Brawling Brutes feud. So that's taking a touch of a backseat while the the sort of overarching story plays out. But yeah, they, they, there's there's a real kind of call to separate these titles. And obviously with the, the talk of new belts being made... Mm-hmm. You know, this is uh, an interesting part. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the simple way to do it, if you want to keep Roman strong, it's got to be in a ladder match or something like that. And, you know, he's just not, he's just taken away from somebody climbing up the ladder and winning that title. You know, they, you take one down at a time. So if Roman's out of the picture for whatever reason, then it protects him a little bit because he's not involved in the finish. I think WWE for the longest time has wanted him to lose just well, before, even before he had both belts, but just lose, have a definitive loss when he eventually does end his reign. Yeah, it's got to be big. Got to be so, big. 
wondering if like maybe if they did it through like a multi-man match where Roman's not pinned up or that means he loses at least one of his belts or has some sort of ladder match. Do you think him losing just one title but not being involved in the decision cheapens his his reign in any way? I think it massively cheapens it because he can't if he if he can't physically do anything about it, then you know you've got to stack the odds against him there, haven't you? Yeah, you know, you've got to put him in the position where he's been forced into this match. He's had his own way for so long, and now he's got to be put into this situation where he could lose this title, and it's not going to be his fault. So he's going to desperately try and do everything to defend it. You know, the bloodline will get involved, and then maybe someone could take them out. You know, and, and then uh, consequently remove Roman from the picture as well. You know, time up in the ropes, whatever. While whoever scrambles up and grabs that that title, and um, I mean. Yeah, obviously having one title gives gives it a nice easy one for the Royal Rumble. Whoever wins that just goes straight for the undisputed Universal Champion. But if it's split, then they've got to make that decision again. Is the Rumble where they split it? I don't know. There's so many. There's so many options, isn't there? Yeah, I was wondering if they're going to do it before me. I think Survivor Series would be a cool place to split it because they're seem insistent. Given the the color scheme and the promotion is still red and blue around mm. it. Ugh. to be a, a brand free brand element <laughs> you do that with one definitive set of one team holding both brands tag belts and one person holding both brands world titles so I'm wondering if you maybe try and split it through that because if you want if that ends up being in a situation where the Rock's free you can do Roman versus Rock for the and the assistant being for the title really looking at it how do you do that without the Rock winning the Rumble and because if the Rock comes back and wins the Rumble, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who would pop. But there'll also be a lot of people who, you know, if you thought they were angry about Brock winning last year, yeah. from, then they'd be apoplectic probably about the Rock suddenly coming in and winning uh, the Royal Rumble. Or I'm wondering, because we talked about the keeping of the two-night WrestleMania, is this maybe what you, you do with Roman? Have him, like, say, have Cody come back, win the Rumble, Cody versus Roman on one night for the WWE title, Rock versus Roman somehow for the Universal title. Won't have Roman headline both nights? Well, he's the biggest star they've got, isn't he? You know, he's, he's the biggest star in the industry, so why not put him on both nights? I mean, you know, he's on a, a reduced schedule now, I guess, isn't he? So putting him on both nights of WrestleMania would be huge, and, and that would be a big thing for them. There's big decisions to be made. You know, Triple H is. This is where he's definitely going to be stamping his authority on this, and you know, putting the 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 real foot down. And this is where I see things going. I'm wondering if something's going to happen at day one. Yeah, well, let's let's get through the rest of 2022, and we start 2023 afresh. Yeah, and uh, and that's where things kind of begin to mold and form the path towards WrestleMania because you've got day one, then you go to the Rumble and then that sets everything up nicely for the next couple of months and then bang, you're into April. Yeah, I know uh, I said about how it's good because certain people get to me about me who might not have otherwise and now I've just, it may seem weird that in the same podcast I've just recommended that Roman main event both nights. But <laughs> if he both belts into Mania, I don't know what uh, your alternative is. It's difficult, because- isn't it? Because also, I know WWE, it's a big decision who main events me, and sometimes they'll go with somebody they want to main event me, whether people agree with it or not. But you know, recent reports are that 
both nights are already almost completely sold out. So it's a case of we've got their money, we've got we've all, we've pretty much sold every ticket. They're going to be there regardless. So yeah, be nice. they could they could announce whoever they wanted for the main event. People are still going to show up. Yeah, I genuinely think like. You know, the only tickets left for Mania now are some of the ringside seats because they are scandalously priced and probably the ones completely up in the gods, um, which are, you know, fairly cheap. Um, but obviously people are like, oh, I don't want to sit on like the back row and Z2 flies. Um, and then they'll get them in the end anyway because they just want to be there uh, and, and not spend $10,000 per day on a ringside seat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got, you got the, you see, this is the phrase, I think it's part of their strategy, then they they lower them down a little bit and yeah. compared to what they were before, the, the people will say, oh, that seems like a bargain by comparison. Yeah. And, and, and not to, not to diss Ticketmaster here, but I'm going to diss Ticketmaster a little bit. Their, their pricing is so weird. It just goes all over the place. Like, like I said, I mean, I'm just looking at again at the, yeah, that boxing event. I'm looking at one and th- this is like the back row with the floor seat. So I'm looking at, this is in the, the AO arena in Manchester. Section J, row V, seat one, that's £171.25. In section H, which is next to it, row V, same row, seat 18, £283.75. Jesus. So, like, the, there's such a weird difference. And you see that, I mean, I saw it when I bought my tickets, you know. Like, I paid, like, $200 for one of the tickets, but then, like, two or three seats down, it was, like, $260. I just didn't quite get it. I, I didn't understand it. Why? Why was there not a uniform price? <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it used to work. Um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. I think yeah, they're they're going to have a, a huge WrestleMania either way. I still think <laughs> Cody's winning the Rumble. I think he's back for them. But um, oh, I don't know. It's exciting though to to see it. I think, like I said before, I think this is such a great time to be a fan right now of, of absolutely everything. It really is. We're in a very good spot for being a wrestling fan. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you about Cody because it did seem that a lot of people's eyes it was between Cody and Drew to take the belt off Roman. And since it doesn't seem to be Drew right now, Cody seems to now be the front runner. He was all over the marketing for Money in the Bank. So yeah. you had to think he had to play into the idea of potentially winning it. Uh, although we've never really heard anybody talk about whether or not that was the plan or not. So, you know. Maybe they'll switch it around and put him in, in a him into the the Royal Rumble plans because it makes sense for me when the WWE title rather than the Universal thing is split because he specified the WWE title as the belt his dad briefly held but never officially won. So yeah. it makes sense in his story for him to be the WWE champion and especially given I think a couple weeks ago me and Ross talked about the idea that WWE wanted to do a draft but do it after WrestleMania back where it used to be. So. Again, if you if you're gonna split the belts, it needs to be at the latest by WrestleMania, bit so that you can do the draft, have a separate champion on each show, and you know, well, the networks are at peace, but also everybody on each brand has a main belt worth fighting for. Yep, totally. That yeah, that's what they need if they're going to go that way. So, lots to do, lots to lots to to happen as well. You know, it's going to be a, a pretty wild few months, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, not a late schedule that Triple H has got to sort out. Not at all. What he's got going on. But uh, in terms of you thought about being a good time to be a fan, it seems to be a good time to be within WWE because reports are, and you, you know, notice a lack of gas at this statement, there seems to be a lower stress level 
backstage <laughs> at WWE since Vince's step down. And also, TV rewrites are, quote, very rare since Triple H took over. And that's a, you know, it, it's good that the, the atmosphere has changed, right? You know, it's, it's, it's great that that's happening. Things are different. Let's stress levels are lower, and that, you know, makes for a better working environment. We all know that from the places we work in. You know, if, if the stress levels are lower, if you're not, you know, going wild at the moment with, you know, worry about what you've got to do the day after, if you're pretty chill with it, then it's great. And yeah, I know Dolph Ziggler was saying that, you know, he said nothing really much has changed. It's everybody's still pulling in the same direction, which I think is largely true. But also, you know, there's not as many people banging their head against the brick wall because they can't see Vince McMahon or, you know, he's giving them stuff to do, which is just absolutely garbage. Yeah, I'm looking at the different reports here. One was talking about, like, in terms of rewrite stuff, is often in change, but it's not as well as last minute, and nobody's ripping up scripts. Like, yeah. reports would come out, and there's less, like, people waiting for ages outside of Vince's office to, to pitch stuff to him. Uh, also, there's a different report about the stress levels from BW Insider, and I just noticed this quote for the first time. Uh, I'm going to read out. It just says, One staff described bumping into Vince as, like, running into the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. You didn't want to call attention to yourself. It's <laughs> ironic given that he did have that weird fascination of having the big T-Rex skull in the background of his office, which I'm convinced is like something out of a movie. You pull on the bottom of the skull, a secret door opens, and Vince's secret lair is behind there. Yeah, it did seem like that. I mean, I think he, he obviously just had such a fearsome reputation that, you know, even though you got talent saying, oh, we, you know, we waited for our chance, we got in there and we spoke to him and we did this, this, didn't you? But he, he had that 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 reputation where he was difficult to approach backstage, and he would blow up, you know, blow up at you maybe, or you know, not listen to your idea, or take it on board, and then just pretty much throw it in the trash. Where I think now the you know, the team there are a bit more receptive to what mm-hmm. the talent have got to offer, and that's a a good thing because it should be a collaborative effort. You know, if if you just have a a, a piece of talent in front of you, you've got your yeah, wrestler A, wrestler B, and you just give them everything and expect them to be, you know, your action figures. That's not gonna work. That's just you living out your, yeah, wrestling fantasy. Yeah. Whereas these guys who are doing it day in day out, you're not. Yeah, they they're the ones who who could say this is gonna work. I can get this over. Yeah, because I think Triple H being involved, you know, he's very much you know in a collaboration. There's all these clips from like. WWE24s or breaking ground documentaries, you know, it showed backstage of WWE and shows guys going to their entrance and Triple H is always very hands on and making suggestions and talking back and forth. And like even you hear people like from the golden era of NXT when they talk in interviews and they talk about dealing with Triple H it's always down to oh he suggested this and we had this talk about my character. So it does feel like he's taking that approach and bringing it to creative and PW Insider also uh, talks about how uh, it seems like night and day the creative since Triple H took over, like seems that the creative process has been a lot more streamlined and the constant, you know, and people will be more focused on creative responsibilities. And it said that the fact that there's fewer rewrites is cited as one of the reasons why we haven't seen as many rematches on weekly on weekly television as we might see under Vince McMahon. Do you know what I think it it, it is? That really helps. And there's a small caveat in this because obviously he has done it again, inverted commas. Um, Triple H has been in the ring and, and, and actually done all this. And it's like for me in, in uh, 
in programming, in radio programming, sometimes it's the people who've been on the front line who have a better understanding than somebody who's just a suit and has kind of you know thought they were a creative mind. You know, if, if you you have that mix of you know, obviously they got their writers, TV writers, and that, that's their kind of like big thing that they try and hire. People have been in like serialized TV, which is obviously what it is. It's you know serialized TV, but you need that element of somebody who's been in there and done it. Because if you go, oh, we want you to do this, 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 and this, and that's how the story's going to go. We go, oh yeah, well we can get that over, but we need to we need to do this because we need to get that from the crowd. We need to get this reaction to make this part of the story go off. And if you don't have that knowledge or will to be able to see it, then it's not going to translate on screen. So it will fail. And I think Vince kind of cut that part out because he hadn't done it. Having that experience of people like your Triple H's, your Shawn Michaels, the Road Dogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all there talking away to these guys and, and getting it, you know, getting these fully formed characters and, and bits of work across is really going to help the product in the end. And uh, so speaking of Triple H, something just put in my head. I didn't put it in the notes, but I can't remember how long ago I saw it. So I'm just going to slip this in. Triple H just randomly dropped in the middle of an interview recently that before his recent health you know, problems caused, forced him to retire from in-ring competition, there was an idea pitched by him from a step back into the ring against Gable or Gabe Stevenson and potentially put him over. So... Which is bizarre because the idea of like thinking what Triple H could do if he ever came back to the ring because it still seemed unlikely before he sell the issues. But the idea of like Triple H making his grand return to a Gable Stevenson, who according to recent reports he's like going back to college and his training hasn't gone so well. So there's a chance yeah. that he doesn't even have a match in WWE. Yeah, he's apparently uh, flopped quite heavily in training, hasn't he? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Sometimes he's you know he's, he's obviously the, a fantastic collegiate wrestler. An, an Olympic wrestler, there's no way he would have achieved the success that he's achieved without being that skilled. But, I, I, you know, it's a different game, man. It's a totally different game. You know, you can grapple all, all you want and you can take someone down. You ain't getting a point out of it. You know, you, you need to move on to the next bit. And like Kurt Angle understood that really well. I think Chad Gable understands that really, really well. But maybe this guy, he just doesn't get it. His brother quite clearly does. He might just not. It might just not be computing in the system, and that's why make, we've definitely not seen him. Going to make that clip when you watch it back. Whenever you watch like night two of WrestleMania uh, thirty eight, when he, when he has that interaction with Chad Gale, it's going to make that seem even more random. Yeah, completely, <laughs> completely. I mean, if if they've got him in and then let him go now, that'll be that'll be a moment. Remember the last draft? They drafted him very late to a Raw and made a big deal out of it. Yeah. Saw him until WrestleMania. Like, and contrast that with, you know, I think it's his younger or old, I can't remember if it's his younger or older brother, but his yeah, younger brother, remember. his brother, now known as Damon Kemp and NXT, he, he came in NXT with very little fanfare and then just slowly but surely has built himself up as part of Diamond. It has short run NXT UK. If you, if you haven't seen it, if no one's seen it, I recommend you go on YouTube and find the clip from NXT UK where Wolfgang takes Damon Kemp down the pub. Uh, <laughs> it's worth your time. Uh, and, and now he seems to get involved as a heel on the brand as they're going forward in a feud against the Diamond Mines. So he's, he's doing very well for himself. Yeah, he's doing fine. 
<laughs> yeah. He's he, he's kind of, he's secretly hoping that his brother doesn't come in because now the attention's going to go to him. Yeah, he might get the spot now. And I, and I hope he does. I hope he does. Uh, talking about uh, something you, something you hinted at a second ago about new tag team title belts. There's been rumors. There was rumors a while ago. Me and Dave talked about it, but new title belts. I thought it might be new NXT belts with the unification between NXT and NXT UK, but. That might still happen with the the cheese changes to NXT. But well, so far it just looks like they've thrown the the UK ones in the bin. <laughs> yeah, clearly, yeah, it's, clearly. it's like what they did, whatever they did to the WCW belts after Survivor Series all one. Right there, you go in the trash. <laughs> then somebody's covered, but then they move house and think, well, where did I put those NXT UK belts? Oh, left it. Never mind. Oh well. Fifty years later, somebody goes up my office like, "Who left this UK tag title here?" <laughs> Be on uh, Antiques Roadshow. Fifty years time. <laughs> uh, so the, the Twitter account Dan Beltzer or at Belt Van Dan on Twitter has been teasing that new tag belts are coming. Said they've been described as the exist, existing designs, dual plated, black strap, and having stacked large WWE logos in the center. They they also have old never used tag titles which are women styled with coloured straps. So the women's belts getting coloured backing very soon. He later, later tweeted out lots of new replicas coming to WWE shop in the upcoming weeks, including green seg series, uh, Cena spinner belt, WCW cruiserweight, ECW TV and tag titles. It also says the new unified tag team belts, which are rumored to be dual plated with a black strap, are. It won't these won't hit until WWE debuts them on TV. I've got a uh, a real love for those old school, uh, late eighties, early nineties tag title belts. They they are the best tag titles that they've had in a long time, and I'd love to see a return of a design like that. Yeah, I think that this this prompted some discussion in the group chat about the old designs and. Some people were talking about the old SmackDown tag team titles that they used to have back oh, in the they, Yeah, they were good. Is it, so only those belts were introduced to the re-tag ones as the belts for SmackDown, but their lineage then transitioned into them becoming the Raw tag team titles after the 2016 draft, which was... So messed up. Just, yeah, it's, it's weird. To, I don't know how you feel. I think the idea of maybe they want to go to one set of tag titles uh, now that... You know, maybe they'll separate the world belts. Maybe you have one set of tag teams going back and forth, which I wouldn't mind because they don't have as many tag teams right now across uh, all the brands. Uh, they've got a four-way coming up on this week's SmackDown, you know, a rematch of the four-way that was interrupted by Braun Strowman uh, to determine who the next challengers will be for the Usos. But the way this is, it seems to be is that it seems to be like the current version just with a black strap and a bigger WWE logo seems to be what Dan is describing. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be like that, doesn't it? Um, as long as there's like a point of difference between all the belts, you know, so you know what's what, and they don't just look like a copy of each other, that's fine. He also talks about colours backing for the women's tie belts. I think the women's tie belts on the main roster, even though they've not done as much with them until recently, like I think they're fine the way they are. I like the yeah, white. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, any belt that has the strap is white. Is gets bonus points in my bit, you know that the uh, you know the current version of the NXT women's belt, the old white strap IC belt, you know 
white straps just seem to look better than most other colours. So I'm a traditionalist with the IC title because obviously I'm a Bret Hart mark. Um, so yeah, the 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 OG black strap is is the one for me. <laughs> oh, we've had debates about the IC titles. Don't get don't ask Alan McLucas's opinion on the IC belt. Whatever you do, <laughs> I will I will hold back on that. <laughs> I, I would definitely recommend doing that. Don't uh, bit we're going to mention earlier on about his tail defense. We don't know what's happening with the belts at WrestleMania, but. Rumours are he will not be defending the title at Extreme Rules, but will next step into the ring to defend the titles at Crown Jewel at end of October, start of November time, your last big show before Survivor Studies. And the candidates are, if you believe the rumours, are nominated to two, which either will be a rematch with Drew or a match with Karrion Cross, who, was remind you, flew all the way to, to Cardiff to sit in the front row, throw a plastic ball at Drew, <laughs> and then off again. Easiest payday that man ever made. So I'm, life. Ass- I'm assuming when the big matches they book for Extreme Rules will be Cross v Drew, one of fights Roman at uh, like Crown Jewel. Yeah, I'd expect so, something like that. Or it'll end in a bit of a schmoz and it'll be a, a three-way. I, I wouldn't mind it being a triple threat because you know I know they put a lot behind them coming back and you know it, it, was, it kind of did get screwed over in his first run on the main roster, but. I don't know if a carrying cross Roman Reigns single street really appeals to me that much. Not right Basically, now. He needs more building. He needs to be built up more. Especially given it's a heel v heel feud, and you need to be very careful who you book in those kind of feuds. Yeah, he needs to be built up more for this. You know, to to get a shot at it. Uh, uh, yeah, we've we've only seen him what have one match and attack Drew. That's pretty much all he's done. So yeah. we need a, we need a lot more out of carrying cross before people go. All right. Yeah, you could be the guy. Yeah, he's beat up Drew a couple of times and then squashed poor Drew Gulak on SmackDown. Oh, bless him. Yeah. <laughs> so this so. is the only problem that they've had recently. You know, there's been nobody built up enough to take on Roman Reigns. You know, you, you can't give anybody two, three weeks build to go in there. Like, Drew, Drew's established. You know, you, you could see him as a threat. But if he's anybody else, you've got to build them up again. Or, or they're not going to be considered a threat. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very curious to see what does happen at Extreme Rules how did they choose the, the title contenders uh, also coming out of Clash at the Castle hopefully it won't be too many rematches but yeah. we do have one rematch uh, not of Clash at the Castle but of SummerSlam as we are going to get Ronda versus Liv 3 uh, Ronda strikes back with <laughs> Ronda winning a five-way elimination match where she eliminated three out of the four competitors she was against uh, coming down between her and uh, Sonia Deville uh, to earn the shot against Liv Morgan at Extreme Rules. I'm assuming uh, they're going to add a stipulation there'll be some sort of submission-based uh, match. Yeah. So, uh, very quickly came back from her suspension. Clearly, it's a case of Ronda can't be arsed to go to Cardiff because he's such a big presence on TV despite not being in the women's match at I, Cardiff. I did hear she was a little hurt before Cardiff. So I mean, if she's you know she's fully healed now, but I did hear she was slightly injured. And backstage after she won the five, which she ran into Shayna Baszler, who for some reason decided not to fit in the five way, uh, and then basically Ronda says to Shayna, "Let me know when you decide to be a killer again." So I'm wondering, does Ronda win the belt back in feud with Shayna, or even more interestingly, could Shayna cost Ronda the title at Extreme Rules? 
I was thinking the second one. I was thinking Shane is going to help out here somehow. Yeah, because uh, again, I feel bad for Liv Morgan. Uh, from what I've heard, people weren't that I hate up because her match with Shayna came on right after Walter v. Gunther. Uh, the match at SummerSlam, the finish didn't do any wonders for her, and just I feel people have soured on her after we waited so long to have her, you know, get this moment. Yeah, this is uh, what I I always felt about some of the uh, the AEW title reigns. Like the the chase was better than the the actual win. Mm-hmm. The, the chase was brilliant. Everybody was behind her. And then when they get the title, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'll do now. And, <laughs> and it just doesn't work. And it, it's a real shame because, uh, you know, they, if you haven't seen the documentary on Live on the Network, it's really good. Kind of shows off a lot of her passion. And, you know, she's worked really hard. She gets great reactions, but it's just not worked. And and that's a real shame because, you know, she, she she's deserved you know, the success that she's had. But obviously, if it's not working, then maybe, you know, you've, you've got to flip it back. And, and you know, the, the talk was making Ronda Rousey the sort of female Brock Lesnar of the of the company. So maybe there's going to be a, a, a shot of that. You know, we've still got Charlotte waiting in the wings to come back. Is that going to be the WrestleMania match? I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. I keep forgetting about Charlotte, but I'm sure, you know, as soon as it does feel weird without Charlotte here because you've got Bailey in that on on Raw for Bianca, and you've got this kind of Ronda Shane thing who they keep going back to for Liv Morgan, but it does feel like they kind of almost need Charlotte in a way because, you know, Becky's out with injury, yeah. don't know where Banks and Naomi if they ever coming back. And then as soon as Ronda, Charlotte comes back and inevitably goes for the title, there's just going to be a wave of like, oh, God, not this again. Yep. 100%. Uh, but speaking of titles, you mentioned AEW title reigns. Let's, let's talk about AEW because you know, we're going to talk about some other stuff, which I'm sure we'll be very positive about. So let's get some negativity. Going. <laughs> let's get the negativity out of the way now. So there was the, the media scrum where CM Punk became old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> uh, within, a space, was almost, within the space of a year, Almost to the day of his first AEW match, he sits backstage after talking about I want to work with young talent, and then immediately, then a year later, he's like, "I'm old, I'm tired, and I work with fucking children." Uh, so wild. Didn't realize that his comment apparently, you know, we thought that young guys don't want to listen. I was, I was assuming that was like maybe he had something he tried to offer advice to somebody that we didn't see and knew they didn't really take it on board. But apparently, it's to do with a Hangman interview where Hangman basically said, admitted he didn't listen to other people and he just goes with does his own thing and so Punk clearly didn't like that although that wasn't Punk's whole thing in Derry that they tried to tell him how to be and what to do and he was very much against that and wanted to be his own man yeah that was pretty much it you know he, he they tried to, to to make him something he wasn't he wanted to be his own thing and and you know eventually it, it worked out but you know now we've seen prima donna Punk <laughs> you know, doing what he's doing, and it, it was not a good look at all. And yeah, you know, if you've got, I, I said this to a few people: if you've got issues with, you know, your coworkers, don't take it out there. This is something to be chatted about backstage. And yeah, you know what? The yeah, you know, the dirt sheets will find out about it. But this is something to talk about backstage when you're on air and you're doing things like you've got to be professional. And he just came across as, and and I'm a. I'm a 
CM Punk fan. I love the guy. He came across as an absolute dick. And, you know, now, I mean, all right, he's injured, so he ain't coming back for ages, if at all. But I would have fired him on the spot for that. I mean, you talk about, like, issues with your co-workers. Punk, like, three, four months ago, I think we were there in the aftermath of the whole, like, Sasha Naomi thing, recently did a tweet, like, saying, like, you know, about supporting your co-workers, even if you don't yeah. get a lot of them. And that's, again, another thing that's come back to bite him right on the arse. But even with so people like Miro, Miro quote treating it and laughing about it and then retreating the quote retweet when the shit like this comes up. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on all that because I think the current sentiment was somehow EW managed to book, including the buy-in, a 15-match card, but yet nothing, nothing that happened on the show was as entertaining as that media scrum. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. that The whole thing coming out of that should have all been about the return of MJF. That uh-huh. should have been the big, big thing, the big headline that comes out of it. MJF is back. You know, this guy who literally threatened to run away, he's now back. And then CM Punk either, you know, decided that, no, 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 I'm not having any of that, or just wanted to be a complete arsehole, you know, went out there and did what he did. And now we've all forgotten about it. And, and it's it's really, it's really sad. I mean, I, again, if if I was Tony Khan, I would have legit fired him on the spot for that. Because he's I mean, just, he just ruined a night. Yeah, ruined one of the biggest nights in the company's history. And that's just not acceptable. That's why like, there's a whole thing, oh, is this a work? This is definitely a work. Like, of course it's fucking not. Because you know, if it is a work, then it, it means that they booked this. Yeah. When somehow either not knowing that it would like, overshadow NGS thing, so it's either they look like they made a poor, very, very, very poor creative decision, or they just look pretty inept, at least Tony does. If it's not a work, which it isn't, and Tony does look like that, because... It's funny how that voicemail that MJF plays is basically Tony pretty much begging him to come back, saying he's yeah. going to pay a certain amount of money just to be in the ladder match. So in kayfabe, Tony is not the strongest boss, willingly bowed to the demands of a wrestler who he probably should have fired for what he did just so he could feature him on his show in a big spot. And then in real life, next to Punk, he was a weak-willed boss who bent to the demands of a wrestler and hasn't fired him because he clearly wants him to be on his show. So, you know what they say about your on-screen character being yourself but turned up a little bit? Yeah. I can as a big subscriber to you because I told you this with Dave. I mean, you saw him just sitting there next to Punk. He looked like he was shitting himself. Like, he did. He looked, he looked like a, wee, a boy who's sitting there in the car while his dad's shouting at the window at somebody else and doesn't know what to say. Like, I don't like it when daddy shoots all the time. Like, again, like, say what you will about Vince or, or even Triple H, but, like, they would not stand for that kind of thing. Like, no. he, the way he cut Tony off and Tony tried to, like, kind of bring it back round, like, you wouldn't do that to Vince or Triple H. No, you wouldn't. You really wouldn't. And, you know, this is where Tony's got to make his decision now. You know, is he... This super friendly, accessible, you know, guy who runs a wrestling company because it's his dream, he's wanting to do it. Or is he going to be a businessman and, you know, actually, you know, nut up a little bit and think, right, I've got to, I've got to really kind of get a rein on this now. I can't let this happen. You know, they can't see me as, you know, Tony can just knock on your door and come and have a chat with you. They've got to see me as their boss. They've got to see me quite seriously. I mean, if he's getting done like that by 
CM Punk and, uh, and you know, other people. Can you imagine the football agents that are running rings around him, negotiating deals for players he probably doesn't even need at Fulham? He is go- if he acts like that for Fulham Football Club, they're going back down to the championship in an instant. Like, I'm, I'm not being funny, but that, that is not the way to operate as a boss. And it's a terrible term to use, but he really does come across like a money mark every now and again. He's just a guy who's put himself across with a big wad of cash. And all the things like he was saying, you know, oh, well, you know, what, it's not like Jim Crockett promotions. I've got loads of money. Don't care, mate. Stop showing off and just put your product on and sort your staff out. Because nobody wants to see that. Nobody needs that. It, yeah, it's blown up online. Great. Oh, yeah, loads of people are talking about AEW. It's not all good. People are ripping it apart because you've got that clown doing what he's doing. Like, come on, Tony. You know, get a grip of your locker room. Stop having Ace Steel biting Kenny Omega or whatever he was doing. And just get a grip, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's bad know. because I, I'm sure you feel the same as me. You know, I want them to succeed. I really do. I want them to succeed. Because competition does breed something very, very good. It breeds like, you know, a, a real good atmosphere that, you know, you want to one up each other all the time. And and for a long time, obviously, WWE didn't have that. They didn't have any serious, serious competition. These guys are effectively serious competition. Yet Tony Khan is running it in, in, in the wrong way at times. And that's not a good thing. I really want them to succeed. They've got some brilliant stuff there. They've got great talent. They've got some great matches that they've been having. But come on, man, get a grip of your locker room or more stuff like that is going to happen. Is the genie out of the bottle now? Because if he's done that and he's been lucky as Punk with that injury, I know it's bad and he's had surgery, but he's been lucky because he would have been dragged to the woodshed with that one. You know, I would have absolutely ripped him apart if I was Tony Khan, but he's got lucky that he's got hurt. Mm. And like talking about the competition thing, because the whole thing about them being set up was to provide an alternative and another outlet for pro wrestling, and you know, because clearly what at the time what they've been doing for ages wasn't working for a certain number of fans, you know, under Vince at the time, and like Moxley even references what the vision of AEW was supposed to be on his promo on Dynamite this week, and so like which was know, wonderful by the way, yeah, with hell of a really promo. good promo. And so surely Tony Khan welcomes the idea of competition because that's what he set originally his, set, his company was set up to be as as, as competition. And clearly, if WWE does something you know big that impresses a lot of fans and gets them talking about people talking about WWE when they, they, they you want them to talk about AEW, then that means you need to do something to get them to talk about AEW, which beats competition, which should be a good thing. That after, right after you were basically made to look like a fanny because of by one of your top stars and <laughs> everybody else. You then start moaning like, "Oh, last two years we've been the only show in town. Now all of a sudden there's the you know, combination doing two other shows. Like I'm just like Jim Crockett. I'm the underdog, but I've got all this money. Like, no, clearly they see you as a threat. That's why they've run these big shows, and yet you're still moaning about it. Like, surely what you're doing is working. If they're see you as such a big threat to run these big shows to try and compete with you, and yet so you're annoyed when they're not competing with you, not taking you seriously, and then when they try and take you seriously by competing with you." You're still not happy and you're still bitching to the press, even though you try and make yourself seem like a big man, even though you punk just clearly showed that you're fucking not. And like someone even put a side by side of like punk and Tony Khan at the Forbidden Door. 
uh, well, not for Bindor, uh, Double or Nothing media scrum, where he's, or, you know, Tony Khan clearly found his white powder and was going on this impassioned rant about Eric Bischoff, the things he'd said about Punk, like, no, Punk's done this for us and this, and he's getting all riled up and Punk's just chuckling away. And then all that energy is fucking gone when you see him next to Punk at the All Out media scrum. It's so wild. I I just I can't get my head around AEW sometimes. Yeah, it, it'll be awful one minute. It'll be really good. Then it'll be awful again. And it, it's just it's just confusing. Like I don't think they particularly know what they're doing right now. They they need people to step up and help out here. You know, they've got I'm thinking of some minds backstage that they've got right now. They've got, you know, a, a Dustin Runnels who can do stuff. He can he can help out here. They've got Mark Henry, who knows the business inside out. They've got Paul White knocking around, who knows the business inside out. They've got William freaking Regal, man. You know, just sit down, ask these guys to to help out and make the product even better. Because every time William Regal's on screen, he's brilliant. <laughs> especially especially on commentary as well. Jeez, the man's hilarious. Oh, did yeah. you hear him, hear him the other day when uh, when with Taz basically asked him what the hell he was doing? He goes, I'm an eccentric <laughs> Englishman. I can get away with it. I love it. I love I it. it. He's brilliant. He's so good. But like, you know, I, I listened to, to Mark on Busted Open and he he speaks very well about the industry. He knows it. He knows what he's talking about. He's not, he's not daft. Like, Ask him to take a little bit more responsibility, and you know, there's that, that locker room are going to look up to him. They'll respect him because he's Mark freaking Emery. You know, he's been there and done it for twenty odd years. It's Paul White who's been in there and done it. You know, they'll, they'll respect these guys. So give them that chance to kind of like go, okay, let's sit down. I mean, Dustin Rhodes, seriously, give that, give him something. I mean, how many years has he been doing this now? Forever. Oh. Put him yeah. in there. Just give him some kind of like control to, to to get everything sorted, and and hopefully you know they can move on from this because I think you know that this whole situation is just stinking up the promotion when it shouldn't be doing. I hundred percent agree, but it does seem like whenever there's criticism by somebody in wrestling from outside AEW, whoever. Somebody in AEW immediately then just comes out and says, like, oh, shut up. This person's like out of touch. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, I mean, I don't like him, but when Billy Ray comments, they're quick to do that, even though Billy Ray does have some shit opinions at times. But, like, yeah. like when Nash may have said something about AEW or Kenny Omega, because Kenny Omega worked Kevin Nash into his introduction at All, at all Out. Uh, Eric Bischoff, obviously, Tony Khan was quick to go on a bit of a rant, and Punk was basically saying, stop giving out of touch people like Eric Bischoff a platform to spew these opinions. But then Tony Khan, with these actions that the media scrum pretty much showcased, you know, a lack of control over his talent, which was a big thing, who he spent all this money on, which was a big criticism against, you know, Eric Bischoff back in the 90s. I mean, those media scrum things are, are, are potentially quite a bad idea, really. I know we mentioned about the press conference being a good idea, but they're quite controlled. This mm-hmm. media scrum thing isn't as much. It's very much an American football thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And like a basketball thing as well. Like, and the journalist just goes straight for the dirt. Now, they didn't even get a question at, at out for Punk, and he just went off on one. He went was out for violence, wasn't he? But you know, you, you've got to you've got to control in these situations, and you know, it just feels like the trains come off the tracks a little bit 
you know, and and you've got to pull it back now and and get because I mean, you know, hey, look, ratings are all right. They're doing okay. They're doing what you'd expect, I think. You know, if they're they're getting that million, they're keeping it just around that, bouncing up and down. Yeah, that's probably what they're going to get. They're not going to compete with WWE at all. I don't think they're going to beat them whatsoever. But they need to get they need to get things back on the tracks. What they, they need to just keep it simple, man. They just need. To, you know, not if you watch some obscure thing on YouTube so you can try and catch up with everything. They need to get a grip of the programming. They need to decide what they're going to do with Ring of Honor and not keep defending the titles on weekly TV just randomly and, and just work out what they're doing. They need they need the strategy now. Yeah, the Ring of Honor thing is really pissing me off, really. Just, just give them Rampage. Just, just ask... To- Either, yeah, either give them Rampage or chug Elevation off or Dark or whatever it is on YouTube and put it on there. Yeah, because like there's certain people in the roster you don't have time for, but you want to do something with. Like just say to them, here, we're still going to pay you this amount or whatever it is we're paying you, but you're technically a Ring of Honor guy for a little while and you might win a Ring of Honor tail at one point. Just go over, you'll mainly be on Rampage. However, just like, just say to TNT, like, listen, we're, you've still got a wrestling show, but. You know, you still see quite a few guys. It would be on AEW, just under a different three letters. So, like I say, like there's all this thing like oh, we're trying to get them this deal, or we're trying to pitch or shop around like where to put Ring of Honor. Just like he said, you've got a YouTube channel. Like you can basically say to people like because the people will sit there. They've still got big crowds when they pre-tape um, at matches for Dark and Dark Elevation at you know these big arenas right before they do Dynamite or Rampage. Like just say to people, okay, by the way, we're pre-recording. Uh, Ring of Honor matches because Ring of Honor is going to be on uh, Tuesdays now in place of Dark because kind of like what Dewey would do when they take main event or two or five live before and after SmackDown yeah. or, or even like, better still like still do Dark or whatever but also say to people like you buy your tickets to Dark we're also going to take a couple of episodes of Ring of Honor at Universal Studios because Universal Studios seem to be happy to have wrestling just yeah it's, it's hard just basically like I said like because Rampage is doing nothing for me. They keep featuring Ring of Honor title matches in the main event of that show. It's basically, just say to them, listen, we're just going to just let them have... This is my, my solution. Let them have Rampage. Yeah, just make it Ring of Honor Rampage and, and have that. It's like like NXT. You know, you turn it into the their NXT, which is like what I thought Ring of Honor might actually turn into, to be honest. You know, it's, it's under the banner, but it's separate. Yeah. It's like- part of the ecosystem, but... You know, you will get talent crossing over. Like, you know, obviously you've seen Solo Sokoa and it's going to be very interesting how they're going to integrate part of what I'm sure we'll talk about in a second into all that. But, you know, these talents come through and then they go on to to SmackDown or Raw. Ring of Honor could live in its own world, but be part of that AEW ecosystem. But, you know, it's mashed together. Like, you know, they've just like thrown it all on a plate and it's just merging together. And and I I think that confuses and and loses your casual fan because if you are not keeping up with everything and you are not fully focused on it, you go, wait a minute, why why is this ring of... And why has he got the IWGP title? Why is he defending that? This is not a show for them. Why? I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you look at the recent Ring of Honor pay per views, like Supercard of Honor and uh, Death Forest Honor. I think it'd be easier to go run down the cards for those shows and and tell you which matches didn't feature a guy 
from AEW. Yeah. So it's pretty much just been weaving AEW guys and handpicking which guys they've got under contract. I mean, they've even brought a title in that isn't defended necessarily in AEW. It's defended on international markets. So your AEW fan sees Pac as a champion. He's got this all-Atlantic belt. He's not defending it on TV. Yeah, I mean, he finally defended it against bloody uh, Kit Sabian. Now they seem to be teasing something with like, oh, it's to celebrate all his international talents. So apparently, wherever, where, which is what Orange Cassidy is built from, uh, counts as a place for the All-Atlantic title to be defended because that seems to be the next feud for, for Pac in that belt. And then, yeah, Samoa Joe returns and he runs down the ring and like, oh, fuck, yeah, he's the TV champion. Yeah, then, well, yeah, wait a minute, he's a Ring of Honor champion. What? And then Josh Woods is being set up for a, a, a TV title match. I think it's happened on a Rampage uh, this week or something. I can't remember if it's yeah. a Rampage tonight, but... It's a case like Josh Woods comes in like, oh, I found a Ring of Honor pure champion, uh, Josh Woods, who lost the title to Wheel U at Supercard of Honor. But to most people, you know, there seems to be the sentiment who people who didn't watch that in the actual Wheel U are like, who? Oh, That's you why you, you've got to tell your audience everything every time because, you know, you might have eyes on it who know it and know what they're talking about. But then you've also got two other people who are watching this for the first time and they're saying, well, I thought I was watching AEW. Why has he got a Ring of Honor title? They don't understand it because you don't tell them. You just expect them to know. And it doesn't help them that you've put Joyce Woods with Tony Nese and Mark Sterling, who people yeah. watch weekly, couldn't probably give a shit about. And, you know, little of the news, obviously, being the elite, given the suspension of the, of the elite themselves, has been put on hiatus for now because like, it seems like you need to watch Dark, Elevation, Rampage, Dynamite, even BT, The Road 2s, and whatever Ring of Honor stuff they're doing, you know. It seems like the approach uh, that Tony Khan is taking is the Bo Burnham approach is, can I interest you in everything all of the time? <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. There's some really good stuff in AEW, and I, you know, I, I so desperately want them to, to have a great, focused set of shows, good runs. I think they missed a trick in the summer with MJF. With, yeah. Like they could have had the summer of punk with him, had him take the title and run. I would, have, I, I think that would have got them a lot of, uh, a, a lot of mainstream recognition. Where you see MJF popping up in places with his title, but he's, you know, he's not a, attached to the company anymore. He can go and do what he wants. I think that would have been a good way to let people go out of places and do what they want. But that they, they need to do the kiss rule. Keep it simple, stupid. That's all they've got to do. If they can, if they can manage that, they're they're going to have a much more focused product. The talent there is great, but then when you're seeing people coming in and they, they you know, they're getting signed to deals and they're not being on TV for three months, what must he be thinking? I know. Uh, but talking about Tony Khan, he appeared at the start of Dynamite. Definitely not looking like he'd been on a three-day coke binge and hadn't slept since since all out on the previous Sunday. Just like, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, mate. The AEW Championship and the AEW Trio titles have been vacated. We will have a tournament to decide the, the the new AEW champion, and we will have a match right now to determine the new Trio champions. Like he looked out of his fucking face. Like he did look like Bull Barn midway through the taping of that inside special where he was basically in isolation for a year. And then we had a match, which admittedly a solid match, uh, but between Death Triangle and the best friends. So either team ideally could have won, but Death Triangle, I think I was more happy with 
uh, won the trio championships, which means they've seen people holding multiple belts, but sometimes they're from, like you say, like Ring of Honor or AAA or other promotions. Anyway, but Pac is officially the first person to hold two AEW-branded belts at the one time, or as he's now being referred to by a certain section of Twitter, he is now two-pack. <laughs> yeah, two-pack, I like that. <laughs> like, uh, I remember years ago, when he, I did not know anything about his past, but people were joking about him coming into WWE as Neville when he used to be called Pac. He went, so he used to be called Pac. Does that make him an ex-Pac? <laughs> oh, it's all there, isn't it? Bants. But yeah, so uh, it was a good match, like you said. It was a good, yeah, it was really solid. I enjoyed that. Yeah, the elite will go down in history as the first and most probably most forgettable now trios champions, as they were immediately vacated and now they're on a new team. It's wild. Yeah. And I'm also happy they went the whole route. These belts are vacated. We're not going this whole thing they're doing with the women's title right now. The whole interim nonsense. Oh, can you imagine another interim champion? Get a grip. I remember like when it, when the women's title made it was made interim. You had the, the, the vacant Twitter account basically saying to Tony Khan, vacate a title, give me a belt, you coward. <laughs> it's just so uh, I mean that one interim champion's alright but when it starts to stretch out you're like oh come on now we can also joke to who else could beat Kenny Omega the Bucks and CM Punk in one night <laughs> when it's got to be but now we've got this tournament of champions where we have John Moxley and Chris Jericho getting buys and now this week on Dynamite uh, the winner of I'm a Dan- Brian Danielson having beaten Hangman Page last week on Dynamite uh, will face Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara having beat Darby Allen on Rampage will face John Moxley and the winners of those two matches will go on to fight at Dynamite Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium to crown a new AEW champion with MJF waiting in the wings with a casino chip that he can cash in at any time so I was curious as to why he wasn't in the tournament uh, you talk about belt and promos we had one or two because you had MJF trying to make everybody think he was a good guy again. yeah that was really good had, and then you had John Moxley's promo. Even Jericho later on in the night, he ref- made reference to that talent meeting that he was involved in alongside Brian and Moxley, basically saying, like, this is my title, my company, and my locker room, and no one's taking that from me. Yeah, I like that. There's some great promos. Verbage on the night was brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, from a lot of the talent there, they, they did some great stuff uh, and selling the kind of passion that they had. And I think kind of almost selling the chaos of what yeah. was going on around them uh, as well, which was really, really good. Um, this, the, there's going to be some great matches without doubt. So, I mean, as I said, Jericho and Danielson, give it to me, give it to me now. I want to see that. That'll be brilliant. And um, interested to see. I think Danielson's going to win it. Um, I don't know quite where it's going to go, you know, all the way. I can't really, you know, pick a winner. Are they going to go with, like, the safe pair of hands that is John Moxley completely? You know, is that what they're going to go with? Or, or are they... Um, or are they going to give it to Danielson now? Because he probably deserves it for, for what he's put in. But then again, Moxley's a, a, a another good call. The, the, this is a good thing about AEW, because like, now I can't call that. Yeah, because like, I remember after the, they said, Tony Khan said ages ago, the first four AEW champions were well planned out in advance. So you had Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Hangman. It was one fluid motion. So it felt like, okay, now it's unpredictable who, who could be champion. It's not everybody can be the world champion in AEW. So you had Punk got his time. Moxley got a chance to be champion again. 
And now it does seem like anybody like Brian could be the champion. Uh, MJF looks like we'll finally get his run as champion. So I, I think it definitely is going to be like a case of like Blackpool Combat Club members fighting with Moxley and, and Brian uh, fighting in the final. But it does feel like either one of them could probably be a transitional champion, though, before MJF finally wins the belt. Because, like you said, I think a long run with, with MJF as the top heel of the company as the champion is long, uh, long overdue. So, like I said, like, I think Brian, just to see that Brian has been the champion, because uh, Moxley said this whole thing with Punk, so give Brian the belt. And then, because it could be interesting, because it could be basically, they could kind of reference the comparisons between MJF and Miz and Miz's history with Brian if they wanted to go down that route. Yep, definitely. There's plenty of scope, isn't there? There's lots of good stuff that could come out of that. So there's plenty going on. I wonder if MJF might just cash that chip in immediately because he's that kind of shithouse heel, isn't he? You know, that to just take advantage of the heavily beaten person, you know, and, and, and just sneak in and grab that title straight away. So maybe that's kind of playing in the background. But I think MJF is definitely due the run. He's, he should be the big star coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see this. This is a, you know, this is the good side of AEW right now. We've discussed the, the bad side, but this is a really good side. Yeah. Um, although it was weird, we called this the Tournament of Champions because like Sammy Guevara is in it because he's a three-time TNT champion. Darby, I think he said longest reign in TNT champion. Or yeah, that was it. Yeah. Jericho and Brian, like Jericho, first time, first AEW champion, a multiple-time champion outside of AEW. Outside of AEW. Brian's in there because he's a mobile team world champion and everything, and then Hangman, former champion. Then said Moxley. So I think he was only officially considered the AEW champion, not just interim, when he beat Punk. So I assumed, okay, so that makes him a two-time champion then in their eyes, and he'll become a three-time if he wins the tournament. Then the graphic came up, it said John Moxley, three-time AEW world champion. Yeah. So do you count the interim reign as a separate thing from the main being actually world champion? Or, like, I don't know anymore. The interim thing... Is almost as bad as the rankings at the minute. It's, I think Arthur Rash, sh- that show could be a show that really gets them back on track with the main event of this tournament and you know the rematch uh, that's been scheduled between Swerve and Argori and the Acclaimed, where hopefully you know the Acclaimed finally get their due and they'll be scissoring holes throughout. Oh, Arthur. scissor me, daddy ass! Come on, they need to. Yeah, that'll be that'll be incredible. The Acclaimed, they caught my attention very very early on. And I was like, yeah, these guys are getting special, aren't they? And um, yeah, I think they deserve it right now. Yeah, no, that's no diss on Lee or, or Swerve. Like, um, my friend is a very big AEW fan. He doesn't get Keith Lee at all. I don't understand why he doesn't get Keith Lee because I think he's freaking amazing. But um, I think it's time to switch because again, the titles. You know, as soon as you get some teams or or a champion having a reign, the reigns are a little bit dull. Um, I think you know this one could be could be due a change already. Keith Lee is one of the most likable people in all of wrestling. And he Incredible, yeah. Because the acclaimed didn't win. Like They got Chicago to boo Keith Lee, so I think that tells you just how popular the acclaimed really yeah. are. Yeah, I think it's time to run with those yeah, those two guys because they're just great. I mean, it really is time to just go for it. You know, they say everybody loves the acclaimed, and I think that's definitely the case. So it was, despite all the controversy coming out of the pay-per-views, it was a great week for a weekly TV. I mean, you had Dynamite, you had that great trios match, the great promos, uh, the match with the rematch between Daniels, uh, Danielson and uh, Hangman. Rampage was a thing. Uh, you had the five-way that Rondo won on SmackDown as well as a great six-man tag and the SmackDown debut of Sosako in the main event against Drew McIntyre. 
before Cross got involved. And then you had a really good episode of Monday Rollage. Like, I've watched more episodes so good. of Smackdown NXT 2.0 in full since Triple H took over than I had before because it was just one hill. It was around just sitting there and legit, I'm saying to myself out loud, just like, this is a very good episode of Rock. <laughs> you had, what's the main highlight? I think maybe this should go down one of his best matches of the year so far. Johnny Gargano versus Chad Gable. Absolute banger. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm a, I'm a Johnny Gargano fan, but that exceeded expectations for me. Definitely, because, you know, Chad Gable, I think everybody knows how underrated he is. And now yeah, he's like, so good. They gave him and Johnny the time. They let Gable show how good he is and why he was a good first opponent. And they let people who may not have seen him before get reacquainted and know why Johnny's called Johnny Wrestling. The fans were chatting, this is awesome. The, the commentary put Gargano over during the match. He finally beat Gable with the one final beat DDT. One hell of a match. You know, they're not going for theory right away, which is the smart decision. Because then the theory attacked him after the match, which then led into theory just yeah. going how good he is. And then Kevin Owens comes out and cuts, I think, Again, a candidate for promo of the year. Just, you know, it's a real Mick Foley vibe. Whenever Foley would get so passionate and start shouting, yeah. it's going to promo on. I got those kind of vibes from Kevin Owens and talking about how guys like you three, you come and go, you're a dime a dozen, but the handful that you can count on one hand, the guys like me and Johnny Gargano that make in his business because we are actually special. And, you know, and then clearly didn't get it. <laughs> so you didn't get the point of the promo. And so Kevin Owens goes, no, that's fine. Clearly, talking sense, talking sense, he didn't work, so I'll try this. And he just scalps him across the face, which leads to a brawl, which leads to, I don't know if it was intentional, but Theory busts his nose up and he's all bloody. And Kevin gets caught on camera basically saying, a broken nose is just the beginning of it, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I love that. It was great. I mean, it's been a very good week for promos, hasn't it? Obviously, KO's one that was brilliant. Uh, we've already mentioned Mox and, and MJF. Incredible work on the mic from so many people. Over the past seven days, there's been some brilliant stuff. Yeah, and this ties into a story I saw about Kevin Owens apparently internally on WWE's roster been moved over to the babyface side. Yeah, he's kind of leaning over to that side for a little while. You know, with the promo encouraging Sami Zayn to not be a puppet of the bloodline. He's promo back and forth with Theory last week, where he jokes, "Hey, you got your first name back," uh, and so this feud with Theory. You know, seems to be where they're going. Maybe this will be Theory's first feud before he goes on to Gargano eventually. So, you know, I think Kevin Owens is great as a heel, but I think with promos like this, shows that there's some real potential they haven't fully tapped into yet with uh, with him as a as a babyface. Yeah, he's been on the bump as well earlier on with uh, with Johnny Gargano, and uh, he he's really got that kind of you know that everyman kind of vibe he's he, you know he relates to a lot of people you know that i remember they did the whole fighting with you know he's fighting for his family kind of thing yeah that's what he was doing it for uh and that was the great that was the right thing to get kevin owens over because he you know that's a connection mm-hmm. so you make a man like that connect with the audience and they're just going to get solidly behind him and uh and he can pull that off perfectly because he does it better than anyone else and i'm still i'm still thinking that he's going to get involved slightly with the bloodline and all that because i think he's going to end up uh you know bringing sammy back into the fold and mm-hmm. uh and those two betty mates are gonna you know gonna tear it up at some point oh so uh, i'd like to see them as a tag team maybe take the tag team titles off the usos i think it'd be a hell of a story you can have 
uh, Kevin Owens, you know, four series of three, he gets a win over Kevin Owens, and then you go into him versus Gargano, give Gargano a few more TV wins and let him showcase himself before he starts yeah. this, this feed with Theory. Yeah, plenty of good stuff on the horizon there with that. There's some, again, scope for, mm-hmm. for lots. I'll ask you this question because I asked uh, this the other week. How long do you think they're going to hold out for before Triple H gets the urge to have Tampa and Gargano interact on the main roster? Oh, I, know. I think he's going to... Well, this is the thing as well because obviously Dexter Loomis is involved, isn't he, with, with in that little world with The Miz. Uh, and, and and Champa is of course aligned with the Miz, so maybe there's a, a kind of backstage, you know, kind of of meeting. If what what you know, obviously when when Dexter's allowed in the building and and not just kind of like underneath the ring or you know getting arrested by security or anything like that. When he's uh, officially there, if, yeah, that, there's there's that whole situation. So maybe there'll be. Maybe that'll will come down the line, but I think he, he's going to hold off. I don't think he's going to jump on that one straight away. Uh, if they could tell, but uh, my perfect world, they told off on it until the rumble and had that yeah. moment. Oh, so good! Yeah, I'll be great. It's and then he's you know see them staring across the ring like Starcross lovers. But they'll they'll team up on a few people. Everyone will be like DIY DIY, and then yeah, one of them will throw the other out. If somebody's going to be like kneeling in the middle and they're going to be at opposite corners, they're going to tease like the meeting in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be for me, you know, in a perfect world. But talk, we talked about women's tag belt seller on, and we have new women's tag team champions on many. I think at the end of the first hour, it was they even had Pyro for them and everything. They Kai, did, yeah. Guy in the sky, they can fly twice as high. <laughs> the women's tag team champions, we rating the wrong. From the, the they swerved you during the tournament, but now it's back on track. Damage control are two thirds of the way there from having all the gold, and they're going to have it. They're going to get a lot. I think um, Bianca is going to be dethroned by Bailey. Um, whether that be, yeah, you know, sort of later on this year or at the Royal Rumble or something like that, is she going to be able to hang on since to that point? Yeah, she's got the victory over her now. She's got that, so I think Bailey will take a, you know, take a shady loss, and then, you know, the next time round, she's going to get the win, and she's going to get the title and hold on to that for a little while, and they're going to control the women's division for a bit, which is is again the right thing to do, and maybe, maybe, that's when you reintroduce Sasha. Oh, I hope so. As a, as, as a face up against Bailey, I mean, I'd be all up for the, you know, those two getting in there again. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, especially if you can come back, go back after the women's tie belts, and they're being held by two people who are aligned with Bailey, who Sasha has all this history with. Do you, know, do you know what? I I just I keep Sasha on her own, hmm. and I throw Naomi in the bloodline. I'd be all for that as well. I ch- get get Naomi in the bloodline. I think I'd enhance it a little bit there, and yeah, give her give her something really cool to do, um, and obviously keep it in the family. Uh, Sasha coming back as a face up against Bailey, and yeah, you know, the, there's obviously you know the, there's other people she can work with, you know, as, as you go up against all three of those. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and plus that means on the way there you can have singles matches on TV of like Kai versus Sasha or Eo Eo Sky, and you have Dakota Kai versus Sasha, Eo Sky versus Sasha. 
You can imagine the celebration, though, can't you, with Bailey when she's just, you know, she's going wild because she's won that title and then, yeah, Sasha's music hits. I think that's part of the reason Arena why... Arena will pop. I think that's part of the reason why on the same show they won the title, you had... Uh, you didn't have Bailey answer the open challenge. Instead, you, you gave Bianca an easy win over Sonya Deville and then you had an angle where the damage control were chased off by the faces. Basically, the idea of, like, keeping Bianca strong for a little bit before... The inevitable fall. You know, build her back up after losing at Clash of Castle for bringing her back down a little bit when Bailey inevitably probably through shenanigans takes the women's title offer. Oh yeah, but there'll be total shenanigans. Oh yes, yeah, shenanigans are high. But uh, talking about the bloodline, a big thing for the bloodline on this week's uh, NXT 2.0, the one year anniversary of NXT 2.0. You know. And it wasn't a case of the anniversary. They forgot last minute and rushed out to the shop to get something. <laughs> they got a card and a, and a box of chocolates. <laughs> a, a card hastily written out, out just after leaving the news agents. Still left oh. the price on it and everything. <laughs> chocolates are half eaten. <laughs> oh, but no, they gave us quite a bit for this uh, this one year anniversary. But before we get to that, I. Uh, Let's talk about NXT 2.0 anniversary because they gave some highlights. They did some interviews with wrestlers talking about the anniversary. Uh, and I asked people on the community page to give us to put some positive spins on NXT 2.0 because there's been a lot of uh, negativity towards it. So I asked people to give some of their best moments of the last year and their standout, who are the people that stood out in the 2.0 era. And I got some, uh, some comments here. David Hockney said, uh, index wedding highlight of the whole year. In terms Brilliant. of stuff, Ron Baker, Carmelo Hayes, and Toxic Attraction have really solidified themselves as big time players. Uh, Ross, usual host of Central, said Ron Baker and Carmelo Hayes have been standing out so many new characters and introduced a becoming star of what was a very resistant product. If being honest, nothing struck sensational. Uh, Jack Graham said, I really enjoyed the period of time where AJ Styles was brought in to feed with Grayson Waller. Got, got some exposure for Waller when he appeared on Raw as well. Uh, Stephen Bradley said, I think it's actually underrated. This year is actually underrated. Still great in ring action as black and gold was some added character giving the show some life. Uh, Ryan Dugley said, moment wise, the Gargano goodbye was beautifully done. Not to mention, NXT 2.0 made their tag titles relevant, uh, which I think is, is a good sight shout on both sides. Uh, Chris Anthony Lopez, another uh, member of the Central team, said, The amount of stars NXT 2.0 has been able to produce has surprised the hell out of me. Breaker, Hayes, Waller, the entirety of Toxic Attraction, Corey Jade, and a ton more. I I was ready to write off 2.0, but they've quickly made a fill out of me. Oh. But, uh, John, you made a comment on this, but I've not read it. I'll let you explain yourself. What are some of your highlights of the last year of 82 2.0? Because if I'm not mistaken, it's in the back catalogue. A few a while back, we did a six months on from NXT 2.0, where it was yes. yourself, Wilson, and David Hockney talking about NXT 2.0. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I mainly tuned out that show because I knew for a fact that Dave would still have some things he didn't like about 2.0. <laughs> And who bleeds black and gold NXT? Oh, me! I I loved I loved black and gold. That was yeah, that was my thing. It was the best TV show, the best wrestling TV show every week. That it was brilliant. Um, Two point definitely indexed. The wedding was great. Uh, that was that was so funny. Um, there's so many great points in that. Like as soon as Dexter spoke and like the reaction from Gargano and he, he, he's just like George up to the floor was brilliant. Uh, I thought that was great. Carmelo Hayes, a complete standout. Him and Trick Williams are set now for they are ready. They are ready to go for the main roster. Just get them on there at some point because they're going to be great. Um, 
I think some of the character development's been fantastic. Uh, they've they've you know brought people up who you know got some pretty outlandish characters, and mm. they've succeeded with them, and and that's been a really good thing. Bron Breaker, I I've seen him live. He really gets it. He really really gets it. And I think he's going to be a big star. So it's great that he's had this good run. He's been able to work with the likes of Champa and Ziggler, great talent going forward. And also, you know, he's been able to work with some of the, the guys in NXT who, you know, are, are kind of on the up and coming thing. Um, and yeah, Champa's goodbye was, was really well done. I thought, and, uh, yeah, he's, he is Mr. NXT and yeah, they were definitely the highlights for me. There's been some brilliant stars and uh, you've got to shout Solo Sikoa out as well because he, you know, he's obviously, just literally walk straight onto that main roster and look like he's looks like he should have been there about 12 months ago. Yeah. Solo has been a hell of a show. Uh, I love the wedding. I don't care what anyone says it was, it deserved to be an event ahead of the four where Gert, where Jampa won the belt back. Uh, I, I think Halloween Havoc, the TV special did it with the, the tie in with Chucky and the spin the wheel crossover. I thought it was a really good idea. Uh, you had the whole Black and Old V 2.0 thing at War Games, uh, like Solo, Carmelo, Toxic Attraction. Hell, one team I want to shout out because when I first saw them in the first few weeks of 2.0, I thought I couldn't care less about them. But now they've really, they quickly grew on me. And like even now, I think one of the, one of the best things in NXT 2.0, and that's the, the Creed Brothers. Creed 100%. Brothers 100%. In the NXT 2.0 era. And someone I want to kind of laugh at because I don't like them. Has anyone fallen further in the 2.0 era than Von Wagner? Oh, man, seriously. And who's thrusted into the four-way when Kyle O'Reilly was taken out for the title. Then got put in a team with Kyle. Was the guy who took Kyle O'Reilly out of WWE in a cage match. Said the phrase, come Tuesday, which became a running joke and really got used against him. And now he just occasionally appears with Robert Stone as his manager. But despite having a mouthpiece, they insist on having him talk occasionally, even though it feels like every word he speaks causes him physical pain just to say words. And do you remember he was randomly on SmackDown for that one episode? Yes, yes I yeah. did. Very, very, very weird. Um, yeah, that, that oh, bless Von. Bless him. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned actually uh, two that I forgot there. Creed Brothers, uh, I genuinely think they're very, very, very good. They're ready to go as well on the main roster. I, I'd, I'd be happy to see them up there. And uh, Toxic Attraction have been absolutely phenomenal on NXT. Also, I should mention, I don't know if I read it out, but uh, David Campbell put uh, another highlight has been the antics of the delightful Wendy Chu. Oh, Wendy Chu, come on! <laughs> Genius, love it! <laughs> oh, I love Wendy Chu. Uh, so that... Those were some of the highlights. Uh, they were talking about who, like, Bron Breaker won the fan vote for biggest star, even though I've kind of soured on him a little bit. Like I said last week, I really feel like we're in the danger zone of having a Bron wins lol situation with him as a character. Need to heat him up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think another match with JD fucking McDonough is going to help him. Nah, probably not. Anything that's the equivalent of putting something in a microwave to reheat it and not realizing the microwave has been broken for a week. Yeah, he, 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 it it needs sorting out that whole situation. It really does. And I think a clear challenger for Braun Breaker has presented itself on this week's NXT. I think that now it's, he's no longer North American champion. I think it's Carmelo Hayes. Like, Carmelo needs to be the NXT champion. A year ago on NXT, he 
had the thing with Trick Williams, where Trick Williams debuted and told him you shouldn't be all this humble, like you're you're better than most of these guys. And then two weeks later, he cashes in his North American like title opportunity, wins the title. And other than that brief, those first two weeks, and then that brief year where, where Cameron Green was the champion, he's pretty much been the champion for the majority of 2.0's existence. Yeah. So like he's carried that belt for almost a full year and like done wonders with it. I'm pretty sure, like I don't even have to look it up, I'm pretty sure, just given how he's big run here, he's probably got the most like combined days as as North American champion. Uh, he has to go down as one of the greatest things you know, North American champions. But then, despite the fact it was a fan vote and Wesley won it, he got beat up by Carmelo and Trick. And then Sol Sokoa just showed up and said, like, I got, I told you I had next. And then they have a match. Despite him being the biggest heel in Wales for Costin during the title. Yeah. On SmackDown, he's good. he showed up and gets a babyface reaction when he wins the title. Yeah, it was wild, that, wasn't it? It was crazy. But I think because he was so, you know, he was so well over there. You know, he, he was he was going to get that reaction, but it was, uh, you know, it was a bit unexpected. I actually saw, I had that spoiled when I woke up this morning and saw it on Instagram. But, um, yeah, um, very, very interesting. I wonder where they're going to go with Mello now. It's uh, definitely a, a, a an interesting point that they've got him to. Yeah, I definitely think it should be used to elevate him to the to the NXT title. I'm surprised like, it's the idea like Giving giving Solo an NXT belt as part of them as a member of the Bloodline, having him show up on on SmackDown with that North American belt or on Raw the North yeah. American belt, cool. But I'm surprised if they decided, oh, we're going to add an NXT belt to the Bloodline, which I think they should have done ages ago with Solo. I'm surprised mm. that they choose to have him come out and attack Braun Breaker as a heel and like steal the way the NXT deal, kind of like when uh, we had we had uh, Dolph Ziggler coming as a main yeah. roster guy, because that happened this year. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's lots of uh, interesting ways it can go, right? Yeah. And by the way, you were correct. Carmelo Hayes, the longest combined reigning uh, champion on 273 days. There you go. Because uh, I know Johnny Gargano's got like the most reigns with three, but I'm pretty sure he won it on one. Of his first reign was like he won it on the takeover, lost it at the next tape, and like two days later. So yeah, he had it for four days the first time around. Um, his longest run was uh, I don't know, 163. Uh, but his other two ty- uh, his other two reigns went for uh, a combined total of 18 days. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus, Johnny, sort yourself out some when it comes to your belts. Uh, In fact, how many did I say was there? There was uh, Carmelo has his one seventy two two seventy two. Phew, he does have the longest one. The, the, the other one we won't speak about anymore. Mm. You know who it is. Yes, him who tried to film bit cameras and he sees me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he should not be named. Yeah. Uh, so he wins the title, the source of gold with the use of the splash, so more gold for the bloodline is a thing he did it. Uh, they run it, they run the show. I think it's a case of they want a title on Tolo go, even though now he's technically a main roster guy. But I thought we really don't want to take Gunther or Lashley's belts from them, so they gave it to, to him. Oh, speaking of Raw, next week it's been set up Lashley versus Seth Rollins for the United States title. Don't be some match that. I mean, I, I like the way Rollins reacted as well at the end when he's just like, oh, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I want this championship gold. And <laughs> Lashley's like, all right, lad. So I fight. 
because <laughs> I'd, I remember I'd been reading the night before a story about like the plans for say were to set him up as a challenger for the US deal and then overall you have the setting between him and Lash like well if that was accurate then yeah uh, there we go <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy seeing that because I wonder if like uh, Riddle might cost Lashley the title there might be an, you know, an accidental blow Mm-hmm. That allows Rollins to, uh, to to get a stomp and uh, and get the win, you know. And Riddle accidentally, you know, a bit overzealous as he's looking for a bit more revenge on Seth, you know, takes takes Big Bob out of the game, and that'd be a good way of carrying on all the, yeah, you know, the, the the kind of full feud. It's interesting because they're keeping that alive. The, the stuff with uh, Seth and Riddle with like, Seth refusing the rematch, but then you have. Seth going after Lashley in the US because he wants to be a champ again. Yeah. And then the Judgment Day trying to offer Riddle a place in the group. And you, you had Balor referencing, like, I know the laws are laxed here in Portland, so maybe your head's a bit cloudy. But, oh, uh, that, was a, that was a great reference. Love that. And then you had Finn coming out with a big purple bandana around his head at the end. Yeah, well, I, I was quite surprised. I was like, who is always oh, Finn? <laughs> like a kid who's playing with his dad's tie and wraps him in his head. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been at a random wedding. Is he just turned up somewhere and like got on the dance floor? <laughs> Next thing he's going to do, run and just slide on his knees. Yeah, they're playing "Come on, Eileen," and he just can't resist it. <laughs> oh. So, uh, going back to NXT is where we're done a bit. So Solo wins the Arento, but the show started with a cage match with the Creed Brothers and Yes Boy, Pretty uh, Deadly, who. All of a sudden, Shawn Michaels seems to have a fascination with because this is their second NXT title reign in the span of 12 months. Uh, as they defend against the Creed Brothers in a cage match, which saw Julius Creed hitting like a reverse Spanish fly and landed on his feet at one point. You had uh, Brutus doing a diving like cannonball on both members of uh, Craig Deadly when they tried to escape. And then I you had pray Dam- for that man's knees. <laughs> and you had Damon Kemp basically handcuffed Julius to the, the side of the case, so he was helpless as he watched his brother getting beaten up two on one by Pretty Deadly before they eventually being with their finisher, which is called Spilt Milk. They yeah, it's on him to get the win. But uh, Pretty Deadly remain the NXT Tag Team Champions, and uh, the feud with, with Damon Kemp continues. Oh, what do you even say? Um, I, I would like to see Brutus and Julius going up. I don't know what they're doing with Roddy. Obviously, they've written him off. He's uh, got uh, knocked out by Damon Denny, so I don't know what they're doing there. Ivy Nile is conspicuous, conspicuous by her absence as well. Um, but, yeah, I'd be interested to see them on the main roster. I don't know whether they're going to make it straight away, but I'd be very interested to see them get on there. Um, pretty deadly, I think, just needs to stay in NXT really for now. I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Um, but, yeah, it looks like Michaels is a big fan of them, so... <laughs> So that's, they, you know, they, they they do get over as complete arseholes on social media, you know, and, and, and they're very good with it. So that's that's cool. I mean, you know, you've got pretty, yeah, you've got pretty deadly there. And uh, and, and my boys, Grizzly Young Veterans, who are in a schism uh, <laughs> doing their doing their bizarre uh, Clockwork Orange tribute act. Yeah, because also you're pretty deadly. They're aligned with Last Legend as a trio who have referred to themselves on Twitter as a pretty legend, Eddie. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. So, like you're talking about uh, Ivy now, I think she's been in a thing with, uh, with Tate and Paxley in the women's division, and 
they were referenced by Toxic Attraction, so I'm assuming they're going to be setting those two up. Hopefully, yeah. Title, so, which that in the last year, I think it's gone a major upgrade. Like when uh, when Toxic Attraction won the titles, that was a big thing for those belts. It's the first proper time, I think, they were really taken seriously, the NXT versions of the women's tag titles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Toxic Attraction done a lot of good work there. And uh, Athena won the division. It seems like Alba Fire from the Keely Ray is being set up as the next challenger for, for Mandy Rose. And Looks the, that way. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the idea. Yeah. She goes like, I remember her approach, like, she's not done the full Drew uh, Scottish accent yet, but uh, she's like, you have no idea where I come from. And you can kind of see Mandy Rose, like, I didn't ask where you come from. Uh, so you have that. Uh, and, but the main thing you want to talk about, about NXT 2.0 is at the very end, there was another video package talking about how NXT developed. It was narrated by Shawn Michaels. And at the very end, the NXT logo changes from the multicolored logo we've had the last year to a logo that's uh, gold with a little bit of white. So it's not full black and gold, but definitely something new. So it does seem like changes are afoot for NXT. It looks like NXT 2.0 is just going to become NXT again. Yeah, I mean, and you, didn't you, I, I know expect you, there'll be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a change of look. And I know there were being changes and everything. Like, you can call it NXT 2.0 for a couple of weeks, but I don't like the idea that they called it NXT 2.0 for a full fucking year. <laughs> but, but you're still, your champions are just the NXT champions. They're not NXT 2.0 champions. Like, yeah. I had the same issues with that that I had with three years of SmackDown being called SmackDown Live. Yeah, you're not a SmackDown Live champion, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't like that they kept the name 2.0, just call it NXT, regardless of what the colours are. So I, th- I think, I think it, now, because like they've they've obviously started to rebrand it and NXT Europe on the horizon next year, you know, NXT is just NXT. You've got, you're not NXT 2.0, you're just NXT. Yeah. Uh, As I said before, it's a separate product in the ecosystem. You know, it does have a connection. This is what, you know, this is where, you know, other people can learn here. You know, this is what you could make ROH. Yeah. So I think the idea, like, it's not fully black and gold, but there's some white in there. Uh, I think it's a case of what, I'm, what I was hoping for when I talked about it a few weeks ago. That it's the idea of a happy middle ground between yeah. the two brands, like the two versions of NXT. Like, you can still... Because you had you had this very good wrestling product, but it did seem like a case of like a lot of characters were he's a really good wrestler, he's a cool guy, cool badass, or he's good because he was good in the Indies or in Ring of Honor or New Japan. And then you got to 2.0 where you had great wrestling, but you had more people who were more about I'm a wacky character, or I'm yeah. a son of a guy, or I'm Corrigan and I like skateboards. I like skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> or you had Brooks and Jensen who won the UK titles, but they're also written in Cowboys or whatever the fuck they may be. Yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, yeah, it's just so random, isn't it? Yeah. I've been joking about bloody Brooks Jensen. Like, he's maybe a movie canon son, but you look at him, he looks like the long-lost third member of the Smoking Guns. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Like I, said, I like the idea of, like, you can have the like, 1.0 in terms of, like, the and black and gold in terms of the in-ring product, but try and make the characters a little less, like, one-dimensional, make them like yeah, having meeting between like this guy's got got a, is a great character, but he's not just like a vocational character, uh, and he's not just I'm a really good wrestler. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because they tease that new logo. I don't. I'm wondering if it's a case. Of, like, I don't. 
I'm hoping it's a gradual transition, not just like, oh, by the way, next week, everything's golden white, everything new look. Uh, I mean, I would like them to do away with whatever these weird, like, whatever you call the way they set up the NXT 2.0 version of the arena, because it does feel like there's a lot less people in the building and it feels like people are too close to the ring. Yeah, I know what you mean. Be interested to see what, you know, stylistically how they change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think they're still going to do it in full sale, but uh, just change it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. So the, the, the um, thing, Capital Wrestling Center or whatever it's called now. Or I think they've recently been calling it the NXT 2.0 Arena or whatever. They yeah. Are. Whatever you want to call it, just I think they need to change up the way it's presented and the way they like the way the seating's done up. Because uh, I don't like the way they're doing it right now. Apparently, also I talked about Halloween Havoc as a TV special. I said this to Dave the other week that apparently they've announced Halloween Havoc's coming back, but not as a not as a TV special, but as an actual network special. For oh, me. awesome! Mm-hmm. So, uh, will Chucky be involved this time around? I highly doubt it. But I do. I would like spin the wheel to come back. Yep, totally. I'm there for that. So, like the idea, because like when the last three times they've done Halloween Havoc as a special, like when they do like Vengeance Day as a, as a TV special, yeah, these seem to be these seem to feel more like takeovers than whenever than whenever Bloody NXT 2.0 did an actual takeover or whatever they're called now that they're not called takeovers. I think the first time it's felt like takeover in a long time was when they did Worlds Collide recently. Yeah, it was really good as well. Uh, so I think that's everything we got to talk about with WWE and like NXT. But I would be remiss if I forgot to mention this bit of information that dropped before, shortly before we started recording, which is the this year's PWI 500 is out. This is usually a contentious one, as is any kind of ranking with to do with wrestling. But this is, should remember, this is all uh, kayfabe accomplishments, what they've done in kayfabe since between, I think, the end of September of 2021 to the start of August this year and who was on top in terms of each promotion. Uh, and number one, I mean, he's been a champion like almost the entire... I think he was maybe number one last year as well. But he's been a champion like almost like, for almost two calendar years. Roman Reigns, number one of the PWI 500. Yeah, right. The right decision for me. I mean, look, he's the biggest star in the industry. So, sure, number one. I'll run down the top 10 just quickly. Again, it's key of accomplishments, but it, it's a lot more WWE heavy than it maybe usually is. But uh, number 10, Jonathan Gresham. Number 9, Big E. Number 8, El Hijo de Vikingo. Number 7, Brian Danielson. Number 6, Cody Rhodes. Number 5, Bobby Lashley. Number 4, Hangman Page. Number 3, CM Punk. Number 2, Kazuchika Okada. And number 1, of course, Roman Reigns. Your thoughts on those other entries in the top 10? Oh, acknowledge Roman. Um, <laughs> John, Jonathan Gresham, uh, who, who, by the way, I interviewed earlier on, the, I think the podcast is still in the archive for ESSR, and uh, he's he's a really great guy. I'm pretty sure he's running back to uh, to Tony Khan going, <clears throat> point to the sign, um, and showing him where he is in the top 10. Big E, yeah, love that. He had such a great run before that uh, that injury. Uh, mm-hmm. he probably does deserve to be in there. Uh, I have to admit, I've not really seen anything of AAA, so I don't know much about Vikingo. Danielson, yeah, 100%. He's had a great, great year. Cody Rhodes thinks also had a really good year as well. Bobby Lashley too. Um, Hangman Page, I'm, I'm, I go hot and cold on all the time. Um, I think his title run was an absolute dud. So probably 
not but again the stories to get there was great cm punk can do one right now uh akada i love and yeah i mean uh, move page around take punk out of it rest of it's gonna be fine yeah okada up until recently a couple months ago was the iwgb champion he's won the last two years, uh, uh, he went back to back G1s. He was the main event of WrestleMania this year, so of course he's number two. Uh, I was surprised to see Cody, but you know I forgot he was he had that brief run as TNT champion, and he had those outstanding. Oh, I think what was Cody v Seth the five star match in the Hell in a Cell? I think he was actually, yeah. And I know it's I know we mentioned it before, but I think it was. Yeah, so sorry, I'm talking bullshit. About that. I forgot that that was a <laughs> damn you, Meltzer. I know, damn you and your inconsistent thoughts to WWE. So I think the five-star match is what brings Cody here that long, save the brief TNT title reign. I think the five-star is also what brings Danielson in, because he's not won a title in the last two months, but despite going almost his entire career without a five-star match, in the, in the space of like seven months, he got three of the bastards. Like he got his match with Kenny Omega, the second minute draw, got five stars. One of his matches with the Hangman was five stars, and then he was in Anarchy in the Arena, which was also rated five stars. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised with Biggie, given how you know a lot of people were very negative. I think towards his tailwind for what I've seen, and then he got injured so abruptly. But uh, you know, I'm happy to see him get his two in the top ten. And Gresham, I mean, way he carried Ring of Honor and before its unceremonious end to that title reign, then it's well deserved. But let's look at. I've also got the top thirty here. Some of the oh. other big names here. Uh, Braun Breaker is number twenty six. Uh, current AEW, current IWGP champion Jay White is number 23. Uh, Kenny Omega, number 19. Drew McIntyre, number 20. Uh, Josh Alexander, Impact World Champion, number 14. He's Matt, had a great year. Matt Cardona, man who kept going, went around for a brief period collecting all the belts he could get, is number 13. Collecting belts like he collects action figures. <laughs> Uh, and number 12 John Moxley number 11 Shingo Takagi both well deserved in my opinion yeah yeah totally down with that uh, who else we got we got Chris Jericho number 22 we got Moose number 21 Moose. Uh, Will Ospreay at number 27 I thought he'd be higher because he's been racking up I think of the 2020 so far we're only two two or three years in and he's got the most five star matches of the decade so far like in the G1 space of a week, he racked up three of them there. I think he got a five-star match, five, nearly five-star match in AEW and in Red Pro. Like, he got four and a quarter-star match in a match with Yoshihashi in the G1. Wow. Jeez. That's impressive, man. <laughs> Got to give a big shout as well to a couple of the Brits I've seen in there. Like, they're, they're down, you know, it's all the bottom ends of it um, in, the, in the hundreds, but, uh, and, and one I've, I've trained with as well, Charles Crowley. Uh, he's in there, and uh, Gene Money also getting a shout in the in the 500 this year. So well done to those two guys. Sammy Guevara is number 28, I should mention, because uh, for much of the at least the first two, like the first two thirds of the qualification period for this PW 500, he was TNT champion. Yep. He is currently one half of the mixed t- uh, tag champs in AAA right now, alongside Ty. So uh, that kind of makes sense. As much as uh, people don't like him, he does have probably. He's up there alongside like the Disco Inferno for the most slappable face. <laughs> wrestling. 100%. So there you go. That's at least the top 30, most of the top 30 that we've got so far. Drew, I think if he'd won the, if he'd been actually won a title in the last year or been probably featured in more main events and not fusing with the likes of 
Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin for yeah. long. I think he'd be much higher than he is. Defo, defo. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJF, I should also mention, is number 16, and Seth Rollins is number 17. Uh, even though I don't think Seth has won a title. Uh, I, I was actually working out because Seth has been too long since I won championship gold, so I'll try to work it out. I gold, can't remember when he, he lost that title. Seth was last the champion in the early part of 2020 when he and Buddy Murphy were Raw Tag Team Champions. They then lost them to the Street Profits right before Elimination Chamber, right before the pandemic. And before that, I believe the last time he was a singles champion was in 2019 when he was Universal Champion, right before yep. he lost the Fiend in Saudi Arabia. Yep, spot on. Yeah, his last title was in 2020, the one with Murphy, yeah. There you go. Again, bizarre thing, like likes of him and Owens have went so long with it. Till, like, Owens hasn't won a title since like 2017, 2018. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it, for KO? Yeah, those two guys uh, definitely drew, drew some gold. Absolutely. I mean, if they did tie teams collectively and in the PWI 500, I think the Usos would be in the top 10. Oh, yeah, 100%. But uh, there you go. It's interesting. Like, again, like I said, well, quite, quite a heavy top 10, I think, for the most part. With Cody, with Cody Big E, Roman, and, uh, and Lashley. Yeah, very much. Uh, but then again, that just shows what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Also shows how great Lashley's been in the last couple of years, where he's reigns as WWE champion, and now he's stuff now as a uh, as US champion. You know, not even that weird feud with Almost could slow him down for being in the top ten. <laughs> yeah, man's been good, hasn't he? He's doing well. <laughs> he's doing well, and I think that's all we've got time for here on ESSR. I thought this would be a quieter week. I know, but... yeah, we've just had a full on run, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we were. Uh... Now we've got we've got nearly two hours, so uh, well, I think things should go back to the normal service next week when Ross McLeod returns. <laughs> yeah, and I don't care what happens, how many people are busy. I'm not co-hosting Central with them. I've done. Yeah. I was a co-host with him, and then I did three weeks of hosting it myself. I'm I'm doing a holiday myself. When he's back with his new barnet. <laughs> I just I should just remember I am actually on holiday myself next week, so uh, he has no choice but to get someone else. I, I'm in Chichester and driving back from there when you're going to be recording next week. So I, I will, uh, yeah, I'll be on the road. <laughs> uh, so that's Ross's problem, not ours. Yeah. Uh, but what's not a problem is an easy decision for you guys to make is to follow ESSR on social media at Suplex Retreat, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex Retreat. You can uh, follow us on the Suplex Retreat community page, get involved in the conversation, get your question. Your answer read out on an episode of Central. Get involved in the ESSR Listener League in the draft and get a chance to enter the main league alongside the team here at ESSR. You can uh, like, subscribe on your chosen platform, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, to these Silver Edge podcasts and feed and keep up with all our shows, our past feature shows like Wrestling Mixty, where we talked about Walter's match with uh, Tyler Bate and Cardiff, which also broke the five star scale. We have interviews in the back hall, like John's interview with Jonathan Gresham before his relationship with Tony Khan completely fell apart. Uh, we have past episodes of Central, past episodes of Saturday Night, past episodes of uh, East Meets with where we talk about the likes of Okada and the G1 and all that other good stuff. So much stuff for your listening pleasure in the back catalogue. Uh, John, thank you for this. Uh, again, I believe this was the first time you and I have ever done a podcast, just the two of us. I think it is it indeed. A, a rip-roaring success, I believe. 100%. 
and uh, hope to do, hope to speak to you again soon on these here airwaves. But until next time, from myself and from Johnny Swift, thank you for listening to ESSR Central. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in the show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.